Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Welcome to the Transform You Live show. Get inspired and motivated to make a real transformation in your life and business using the power of optimism and mental focus. For more information, visit TransformYouBroadcast.com. That's Transform the Letter U Broadcast.com. Now let's make way for your host, Marcus Paul. Hello, my people, my people. Welcome back to another amazing show. We, we got a very phenomenal guest here. And remember here, this is the only place where we talk about real experiences, real stories. And if it's not natural, you know it's got to be beyond the natural. So we're going to transform your lives here with this awesome individual here. So who are we talking about? We're talking about Dan. Uh, so Dan, he's going to tell you more about himself, but I'm going to give you a brief paragraph here. So Dan, he's born and bred in Jerusalem, Israel, ex-military, a master's degree in science, and another one in music. Been creative since day one, co-writer of the movie Fallen Star, and of Brooklyn All-American. Currently in development is the 36 Watchers which is his first novel, uh, and I had the opportunity to uh, check out a couple of these uh, elements of the, this particular novel, and including the, the podcast, too, so I do encourage you to check it out. Uh, so without further ado, uh, we have uh, Dan online. Uh, Dan's going to uh, pronounce his last name for, for you as well. Uh, I didn't get a chance to, you know, uh, properly get introduced to his full last name, although I got the correct spelling uh, right here in front of me, I'd like to, you know, uh, be properly introduced to it. So, Dan, are you there with me? Yes, I'm here. My name is Dan Barhava. That is the correct pronunciation. Yeah, I was looking at it, and I, I always like to make sure that I can say it correctly. So, Dan Barhava. Yes. Nice. So, Dan, let us know uh, more about you in your own words. So first of all, the name Bar Hava is an interesting name because my grandfather came to Israel uh, from Europe in the 1930s. And his name was not Bar Hava, it was a different name. And it was a name that the Polish people that he lived with uh, put on Jews as a derogatory term. And he wanted to change that, so he invented the name. Therefore, our family is the only family in the world with that name, Bar Hava, which literally means son of Eve, because his wife was pregnant at the time. He was hoping for a baby boy. And he thought about himself and her as Adam and Eve, the biblical couple, because they went to a whole new land, and he invented that name, Bar Hava, which means son of Eve. Wow, that is truly an amazing story. and. You know what? I I have never, you know, have never have been introduced to such a an amazing amazing background uh, of a story. So that that is truly remarkable. 
um, continue further. <laughs> Lighten us <Okay>. more. <laughs> okay. Okay. What, a, what an icebreaker. Yeah. So that's uh, you know I always get uh, I always get question about this name, and when I do go to visit Israel, uh, people recognize that name because it's very unusual. Yes. So I'm talking to you uh, primarily about the book that I wrote and published about six months ago called The 36 Watchers, Book One, Fall. And I do have book two and three in the works. It's going to take time because writing takes time. But I was very fascinated with the very particular concept of the 36 Watchers, people that are familiar with things like Freemasons or King Arthur or any religious or uh, mythological concept of a savior or a guardian will be very interested in this because it says so in a book called the Talmud, which is the Bible of the Bible. Uh, it only says it in one place, that in every generation, there are 36 people that guard the world. And if even one of them is missing, then the world will come to an end. And the difference between this particular myth or concept and all the others is you don't know who these people are. You know who King Arthur is, you know who Jesus is, you know who everyone is when they're supposed to protect mankind. But these guys, you don't know who they are. So that fascinated me for a long time. And at some point I sat down to write it and fast forward five, six years later, it's out. Truly, truly remarkable. And 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 we, you know, uh and we was talking, we you know, we you know, you were talking about, you know, how, um, you know, you, you, you coming from Israel, you know, um, you know, you uh, were pretty much surrounded by uh, so much uh, uh, religion and um, uh, people who were, you know, essentially, uh, uh, you know, like, I guess, a, a walking uh, history relic. <laughs> so, uh, so, is is it you know um i dare dare to ask you know uh could some of this you know um history you know or past uh could it could it inspire some of this stuff um uh, uh spark of like creativity to write this yeah absolutely because when you grow up in jerusalem it's a very it's an unbelievable place when you think about it the holiest place for Judaism, the holiest place for Christianity, and the second holiest place for Islam. So right away, you talk about about two-thirds of the population in the world, they believe in one of these three religions, and the place is filled with uh, sacred relics and places. Uh, you can walk from where Muhammad took a journey from Mecca to Jerusalem, to where Jesus was crucified, to where the last wall of the temple before it was destroyed by the Romans stood and everywhere in Jerusalem spirituality is all over you and I'm very spiritual just like yourself I'm non-religious I think the spirituality is something that connects us directly to dimensions that we are not familiar with or don't know about in our day-to-day -day lives and that's what led me to write the book because I very much believe that such dimensions exist and I did extensive research and I was able to weave a very nice narrative of fictional history, non-fictional history, supernatural elements into the story. The podcasts that I have up uh, provide further insight into that, and I'll be happy to answer more questions about that.
Yeah, and it's um uh, it's quite remarkable because like you know it's it's this is sort of uh very you know in a sense um it's very foreign to you know uh, many Americans uh, on on our side in in, the, in Western culture because uh, uh you know uh, this you know in in Middle East this is you know uh, very you know I, I I would say this is very you know very common story. Um, and, um, would you say that, you know, uh, would you say that that's very true? You know, uh, uh, uh even, you know, um, you know, uh, even just the, the story of the, the 36 just man who saved the world, um, in the Jerusalem post, right? Um, I don't, I believe that there's some truth to it. It's very hard to say because supernatural elements are very hard to verify, as you know, and your audience knows. But I sat down to write this book because I believe strongly that in every myth that holds and uh, withheld the test of time and holds water to our generations, and in this case, more than 15, 1400 years, uh, there has to be some grain of truth into it. And then all you have to do is go look for pieces that fit into the puzzle and be able to build it from there, which is what I did. Yeah, great, great, great. You know, yeah, so, yeah, we, we definitely appreciate that. And, and, um, and, and what you're doing, you know, so uh, what, what, how, how does it opens up, you know, um, in, in your story, it, you know, and uh, and maybe you know how does it different, uh, different from like you know how is it told in um, in, in in other stories? Oh, that's a good good question. Thank you for asking that. I do believe that when people ask me about the book to provide quick comparison, I says uh, I say things like compare, take this book and think about it as a cross between the Da Vinci Code and The Matrix, and Harry Potter. Uh, and right away, it puts you in a particular spot of how to relate to the book. So the book opens in a very regular day-to-day -day, uh, place and time, which I can't disclose right now because it will be a spoiler. But you're being introduced to the main character of the book, which is a woman. And uh, I wrote her over many years. I do like how she came out. And you get to meet her in her natural surrounding in the day-to-day -day world. And then events happen and take place. And little by little, you get to see how she transforms from who she is to becoming a watcher. And as far as provide a little more texture about what the watchers are and the world they live in, which is our world, but in my book, uh, the watchers are descendants of mating between angels and humans, which is documented in the Bible and has been mm -hmm. taken advantage of in other movies and books. Uh, Noah's Ark with Russell Crowe is one example. I believe uh, also a little bit in the Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons, possibly. Uh, so the Watchers come from a very particular lineage, which makes them who they are and gives them the power that they have. And the other part of the book has to be the dark part because you cannot have good uh, versus evil epic battle if you don't have the evil. Right. And for that, uh, I used myths, legends, and traditions that are really unused in popular culture or in religion. And that, I believe, is one of the aspects that makes the book very special because 
there is a tradition within Christianity that is non-canonic, non-Catholic Christianity, that assigns a particular character to be the ruler of the world and to be a false god of the world. And that is actually an evil character. And I'm not going to go into much further because it's all in the book, but this particular character, the image, the likeness, the description is unfamiliar. People will not be familiar with it out of general culture. It's not the devil. It's something very different. And I think that that adds a lot of texture to the book. And I was able to take this, use it, and also tie it to a lot of traditions about sacred societies that do exist. And I found a lot of logical connection to make between all this soup of secret societies and that false god of the world versus the watchers and the fight that they are having uh, across many generations and many historical events that I was able to take into the narrative. Yeah, I, I can see, you know, uh, where, you know, you, you really, you know, infuse a lot of, you know, um, you know, uh, just, just your own experience, you know, and then, you know, was there, was there a, a lot of, you know, some research that you did, um, uh, had to go back and double back on to, to, you know, to um, infuse in some of the characters? Yeah, um, I would say that uh, I'm Jewish, as you know, but I'm very fascinated and was always fascinated with the character, with the historical figure of Jesus. Right. And he plays a certain uh, pretty central role in the book, not so much by himself, but by association, because there's a lot of contradictory um, information and facts about him. Jesus is the founder of Christianity, but Jesus was Jewish. He was right. born, lived and died a Jew. So that was always fascinating for me. And uh, there is a tradition uh, among esoteric Christianity, not the main one, that the birth and life of Jesus is the center of the world history. And everything is symmetric, going into his birth and going out of his birth. Everything was led into it, and then it reverses the order going out of it, which is very far-fetched. But if you look at some historical events, you start to wonder about this, and I'm just going to mention one, which is the Roman Empire that started 500 years before Jesus and ended 500 years after Jesus. And that's interesting. Uh, so that made me thinking. And in addition, the whole crucifixion, in my view and opinion and looking at it and reading it, is something that had to happen in order for Christianity to flourish into where she is now, which is very, very popular and prevalent in the world. So events that led to the crucifixion must have had a guiding hand in them. And the person that everybody likes to hate uh, in that story is Judas. And I turned that around in the book, which is one of the interesting plots that happened. And I did that across other historical events as well, but this one is the one that I like to uh, put up as an example and then not give too much information to not take away from the reading itself when people get the book. Yeah, this is very fascinating, you know, and I, I'm really enjoying this conversation. As you can see, I got a lot of, you know, <laughs> a lot of questions about this book, you know, so, uh, I, you know, I'm really, you know, uh, you know, really interested in getting my hands on it personally, so. Uh, yeah, ask, ask away, please. Yeah, so uh, 
Yeah. So, so uh, you know, I'm very fascinated, you know, in just the, the choosing uh, to of um, the central character uh, being uh, being a woman. Um, was there any, uh, you know, uh, of just like the, you know, the the rise of like, you know, um, of feminine energy uh, in 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 today's society that influenced that, or you know, or or just that, or you know, or if we go back to into you know biblical, you know, biblical times, or you know, uh, or just you know, or or even in the Torah, you know, how women were, were just treated differently, and trying to kind of just twisting that around a little bit, and going opposite, going in the opposite direction. It's a really, really good question. And you know what? I've been asking that question myself because to tell you the truth, the book began uh, in 2012. This is when I put the first words down on paper. Okay. And I, I was uh, visiting Israel at the time. I was in Tel Aviv, which is a magnificent city by the Mediterranean. And my friend had an apartment on a high rise on the 23rd floor overlooking the beach. And it was a summer night. And he had the small balcony, which you have to be uh, not afraid to sit in because it's teeny. And Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. The holidays are a moment of togetherness and joy and a reminder of how tradition creates happy and fulfilled communities. Make this holiday season patriotic with a visit to National Harbor and its stunning new Spirit Park. Marvel at one of the largest American flags in the region and beautiful displays of American art. Make this holiday season the most meaningful of all at National Harbor. Learn more at nationalharbor.com spiritpark the banister is teeny and you feel like you can fall at any time 23 stories down but i was there with my laptop and i was thinking about this thing and all of a sudden it started writing itself and it just felt very very natural that this should be a woman and not a man and i can't tell you exactly why um and it's interesting because in 2012 that's before me too and before the rise of feminine energy that we see in the last three or four years it yeah. just felt right so maybe it was a little bit of an epiphany of foreshadowing <laughs> what will happen i can tell you yeah. it just felt right yeah isn't that spooky though <laughs> yeah it is kind of spooky i have to say yeah but I, just, just... I just i just could not it just wrote itself and and then the name uh, of the character came to me. Her name is Jenna, and it just came, and it just happened. Yeah, it's just like you know, and then the fact that her name's Jenna, you know, kind of, kind of quite uh, quasi opposite of uh, you know Jesus. <laughs> so, That's you know, true. Yeah, That's so, true. That's a good yeah. connection there. Yep. Yeah. So you know, it's man, it's it's, it's quite remarkable, and it's you know, it's quite timely for you. And I, I can see how it's looking quite first for you, man. You know, and um. You know, it's uh, you know, you, and you find find your flow. You know, and find you find a lot of flow for you um, in writing this. So it's it's truly remarkable, um, and it's definitely got me sparked. Um, 
and you know, and I, I guess I can ask you some questions outside of the book, um, surrounding okay. surrounding what you know, what are your um, beliefs? Um, and these these are you know some 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 older questions now, you know that um, you know um, many you know many um, many people and you know have fallen away from, and you know we we kind of got got our you know own views about now you know um about um the freemasons and, and the illuminati you know but but what is your insight about it and what you know what have your research um kind of oh wow that? that that that's a that's an awesome thank you because i got like a whole wall of books about this stuff and yeah I'm looking at especially it yeah especially yeah. having co-write on you know um on some of the most popular uh some popular uh movies and you know and you know, it shows. So, so you see, when you take uh, something like the Freemasons, uh, the Freemasons has recorded history that goes back to the 18th century, 17 something. I don't remember the exact date. Uh, but they have beliefs that predate by a lot. And it goes back in three major steps. So if you go back from the 18th century England, which is where the first recorded history of Freemasons, lodges and meetings happen, they put a lot of time and research to prove, but they cannot do it beyond doubt, but they, they definitely raise interesting connections that go back from them uh, to the Knights Templar. And the Knights Templar are originated in the 11th, or 12th century, so that goes back six or seven hundred years. And originally, there were nine knights that were took upon themselves to provide protection to pilgrims going to Jerusalem after the First Crusade, when the Christians took Jerusalem by force from the Muslims. So that's the first step, the first pulse that the Freemasons say, "Hey, we're not from 17th century or 18th century; we're from the 11th century." And then they take this one back to the first and the second temple in Jerusalem, uh, primarily the first temple uh, that was built by King Solomon, which has no historical record. We don't know if he existed or not. The Bible talks a lot about King Solomon, but outside the Bible, there is not historical evidence or archaeological evidence to support that. But Freemasons claim, hey, we go from England to the Crusades, to King Solomon, and from King Solomon back to the pyramids and the Egyptian dynasty of like 3000 BC. That is what Freemasons think about where they come from. So they think they have information and tradition that goes all the way back to the pyramids. I don't know true or not. I just like it. Uh, I think it's very interesting. Then you take the Illuminati, which is a side branch of the same uh, historical, semi-historical uh, lineage or, or chronological tree. Uh, and then you take other secret societies, I'm not going to mention too many of them, but there's something called the Rosenkreis, which I don't include in the book, but also claim lineage from that. And a lot of other societies claim they have lineage to Solomon, to David, to the Knights Templar. And the Knights Templar themselves are very, very curious as well because they are really historically documented to be nine knights in the 11th century that in 150 years grew to be one of the most powerful international organization in the world of the time. They invented international banking. You could take a note 
from a knight in the Knights Templar from Paris that says that you have 10,000, whatever the currency is, and then travel to Spain and then present that note in Spain and they will pay you. Hmm. So they came up with that. So they transformed from nine knights to a multi-conglomerate corporation kind of thing. And then, and people do not know this, on October 13, Friday, 1308, if I remember correctly, Friday the 13th, King Philip of France arrested all of them and executed most of them, which is the originated, which is the origin of the Friday the 13th superstition. Right. And that, uh, you know, I don't know what truth is that to these secret societies and the lineage, but the fact remains something made these people very powerful. And I don't go into this directly in the book, but I hint on the fact that that evil false god that in the esoteric tradition is called Demiurg, and people can look it up, uh, has something to do with that. And this is the force that the Watchers are fighting in the book. Yeah, interesting, interesting. You know, and um, it, it, it's, it's quite amazing, you know, uh, how, um, you know, we, we just look, look at, look at the word and, you know, we, we always think just um, one or two groups, but, you know, it's, and it's, and, and it still, it still seems, you know, seems to hold so much, so much weight, you know, uh, still today. And, 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 and I, I like that you, you know, uh, were able to, you know, bring so much of that, that research uh, into, uh, into this, into this book. Uh, it, it has so much of a fidelity uh, to to what you're trying to shape uh, into the narrative of this book as well, um, and with the storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, so so uh, what what else uh, have you know? Uh, uh, are you are you uh, looking? Uh, uh, to um, to to give back uh, in in terms of um, in terms of this book, you know, yeah, because like um, especially being a former military, you know, um, you know, I, I I'm pretty sure there's a there's some fight scenes in here too, you know, or like um, are there any you know um, fight scenes at all, <laughs> so, you know, or like any any uh, conflicts. You know, uh, you know that 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 happened. You know. That, uh, well, in in the in the first book, in the first book of the series, there is uh, the conflict that happens happens more on a supernatural level. Okay. Uh, and I take the time to build the rules. I I, I like doing that. Uh, build building the rules of a supernatural world is not easy because you need yeah. to you need to operate by sort of rules. And the classic example I always think about is that when you watch like a Star Trek kind of thing and you yeah. see aliens coming from another dimension that they can walk through doors and walls, yeah. you ask yourself, how come they don't sink through the floor? You know, right. it's, a, it's a contradiction. So I took a lot of time and care to build the supernatural world, operate by particular rules and that was my main concern when I was writing that it will hold water. And I'm happy to report 
to date, nobody, you know, uh, uh, confronted me about that from the people that read this book and quite a few. Uh, people ask me questions about stuff and, uh, you know, some positive, some uh, positive criticism about certain things, but nobody ever said anything about, hey, this doesn't make sense. And uh, that makes me happy. So the conflicts happen on that level, on the supernatural level. In book two, which I'm in the process of writing, it's going to get a little more real because I like to pace it this way. So Jenna will have to become, you know, Supergirl times five. Yeah. But that happens in book two. Absolutely. Well, yeah, that that definitely uh, right there, you know, uh, makes a lot more sense, and it it does uh, gives you, you know, uh, some 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 imagery to you know to um, in your head, and you can you know, and as you're reading it, you know, you can you can see this playing out, uh, yeah. you know. And uh, and 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 um, that military gives, definitely gives you structure, you know. And, it um, does, yes. And uh, and and it, and it reflects in your writing, you know, uh, big time. You know, uh, having been former military myself, I I, I can tell you, man, you know, uh, it, it sticks with you. <laughs> so like, it does <laughs> stick with you, no doubt. So, so yeah, we we greatly appreciate that. Um, yeah. So let's yeah, like uh, speaking of which, uh, so like. Being a co-writer of the movie Fallen Star, you know Adam Pascal is one of those main main characters in in those. Yes. Um, what is it like, you know, um, you know, writing, you know, for like comedies and and um, and you know, seeing seeing some of your work that's being released, you know, on, on a big stage, uh, on big stages, man, and um, just. Well, it's it's a uh, it's I have to say, you know, the that particular movie was an awesome experience, and Adam uh, was an awesome experience himself. And I'm just going to share one thing with you because it is a comedy, and it has a lot of music elements. And I am a musician in addition of being a writer. Yeah. And the the thing that uh, I remember most of this movie is that it centers around a song that right. you hear Adam Pascal sing that song at the beginning of the movie. And then he goes through his transformation because it's a journey that he takes, you know, it's a comedy, but he transforms from being a loser to being a winner. And uh, the song is performed at the beginning of the movie, and then the song transforms and performed again at the end or close to the end of the movie in a very different way. Which means that the song had to be written before the movie was shot. Exactly. And I had to write the damn song. And I spent, song is not a book, it's very different. And you can, song is three, three and a half minutes long, but you can spend a year without getting anything done. And the way the song was written was this. I had to drive a 1958 Rolls Royce <laughs> for three hours from Jersey Shore to upstate New York when the movie was shot because we were using this car and one of the opening scenes of the movie. This is a 1958 Rolls Royce. It, it moves like a boat, looks like a boat, has no radio, has no heat, has nothing. I had to like fill in in a gas station, you know, every 50 miles because it's a gas guzzler. Every time you walk, you drive into one of, imagine you drive and you see something like this falls into the gas station. What would you <laughs> yeah. think? What would you say? So, Took me three and a half hours to do this, and the song came to me 
at this drive. I couldn't write anything down. I couldn't record anything. Did not have a smartphone back then. And I just had to sing it in my head again and again and again and again and again for three hours. And when wow. I got there, I deposited the car. I took a piece of paper and a pencil. I wrote the words. I wrote the notes. And that's how the song came. And it's good. The song is good. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's some really that's some really good music, man, and it it, it really shaped the mute uh, the set the tone for the for the uh, movie. Um, and this is, you know, I I don't think we have seen any romantic comedies like this. Um, you know, which you know give you a, a, a you know inside look of uh, orthodoxism, you know, uh, bumping heads with you know uh, with the Kabbalah. You know, um, very true, very true, very true, very you know, true. So, you know, because it just it just gives you a, a different look of like, you know, the craziness. <laughs> so, so, That's true. And again, you know, I'm Jewish. I'm not religious, but I'm yeah. very familiar with all the traditions because I like knowing about religion. I don't like practicing it, but I like knowing about it. So the movie deals with it from a more comedic aspect and the book deals with many of the same traditions, but with a very different like dramatic or historical aspects. But at the end of the day, you come back to the fact that, you know, Judaism was there first and both Christianity yeah. and Islam took the cue from it and developed it to the point where everybody in the world knows so much about that. Exactly. You know, um, yeah, every, everything else, you know, circles around, you know, um, you know, this, this, uh, this, that religion. Uh, so, and in the Kabbalah, you know, itself. So, Yeah, well, that, that leads me to the whole other thing, because Kabbalah, which I'm fairly knowledgeable at, and also it's a, a lot of things about numbers and letters that are so, so uh, central to mysticism. And the 36, the number itself, uh, in, Jewish, in Ju Judaism, in Jewish tradition, uh, we assign numeric value to the Hebrew letters of the alphabet. So people, when, when I talk about it in Hebrew to Jewish people or Israeli people, I don't say 36. I use the letters that represent 36. Uh, and that concept is prevailing throughout Kabbalah. And the numbers are fascinating because six is a number that people don't know how much meaning it has behind it. I'm just going to give you a little bit of uh, connections here. Um, six days of the week uh, before the Sabbath. Right. And Sabbath is the seventh day. And uh, both the numbers six and seven are very meaningful this way because if you play music, you know that the scale has seven notes in it. Mm -hmm. And the week has seven days in it. And the number six, this is where it gets really interesting. Uh, people know Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 
This holiday season, pay tribute to the people who fought for our freedom to celebrate. Featuring the largest American flag in the region, Spirit Park is now open at National Harbor, honoring active duty military and veterans. Take some time this holiday to remember, offer gratitude, and be inspired by the sacrifices of our service men and women who make our way of life possible. Plan your visit at nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. That's nationalharbor.com slash spiritpark. Oh about 666 that is called the number of the beast or the number of the devil and it's very familiar it's been used in many many movies and books and it comes from the gospel of saint john revelation yes. uh, in the new testament uh, that's the origin of it but what people do not know is that um if you go to the piano and you play any note and then you count six notes from it and you play a note that is six notes away from it and you play them together. You play something that is known in tradition of music as the devil's interval. Hmm. And that's well documented in many, many places. So that connection makes the number six, gives it a very sinister kind of meaning. And the 36 watchers play off of that, which is all explained in the book. So Kabbalah, and other esoteric traditions do a lot with numbers, and I like that. Uh, when you talk about the the uh, just a little more about how Kabbalah works and how fascinating it is, if you take the first letter of the Old Testament and the last letter of the Old Testament together, they spell the word for heart. Wow! And if you take uh, the first letter of the word truth. In Hebrew, uh, the word truth uh, is made out of three letters, uh, Aleph, Mem, Taf. So the first letter of uh, the word truth is the first letter of the alphabet, which is Aleph. The last letter of the word truth is Taf, which is the last letter of the alphabet. And the middle letter of the word truth is Mem, M, which is the middle of the alphabet. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So all kinds of stuff like that makes it for you. You look around and you say, wow, there's got to be something beyond day to day. And it takes some years to put it together, but the 36 Watchers live in that universe of hidden meanings of words and letters and historical events with natural and supernatural. And that's the stuff Jenna has to roll through when she starts her book, which she starts the book being who she is in the real world and ends the book of who she is as a watcher and you get to accompany her on her transformation. And there's a lot of imagery there that took a while to write, but it's a lot of fun to read. Wow. That, that was truly remarkable. And, and man, that, that there right there will, you know, when, when, when you start getting very deep and, you know, into, you know, this, just the, the Hebrew language, you know, and, um, you know, and, and really, you know, just peeling back uh, a lot of the layers of like understanding um, the, the the meanings of uh, the words and numbers, like, you know, you know, then it, it, it really makes sense. And, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense. And it's, and it speaks, it speaks to you, you know, uh, especially when you, you know, read in full context, context a, a lot of these uh, sacred texts you know uh, it, 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 then it's just then it's just not words and paragraphs anymore it's true you know so 
So yeah, really appreciate you sharing that. Um, tell us a little bit more about your 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 own your own spiritual transformation. You know, we we know that you had a spiritual transformation. Tell us when it first started for you. Well, <laughs> I'm going to take you all the way uh, to the stupidest thing I ever did when I was 16 years old. And I, I think I can trace my spiritual transformation to that time. Uh, and uh, at 16, I was a leader of a scout group. I don't know. I, it's not exactly like the Boy Scouts here. It's a little bit different. Uh, one, it's co-ed. And two, it's not as structured as it is here. It's a little more wild. But what I had to do was uh, uh, I had to walk the track of a hike I was going to take my group on the next weekend. That's how we do this. You know, you walk the track yourself to make sure it's okay and safe. Right. And I came across, uh, check this out, I came across a barbed wire and a big sign that says, uh, don't cross this barbed wire because here there is a, a, a minefield from a war 30, 30 years ago that may still be active. So, you know, don't cross the barbed wire. It's like a quarter mile long kind of thing. Uh, so I looked at it and then I said to myself, you know what, uh, I'm going to cross. And if I make it to the other side, then I'm going to take it as a sign that good things will happen. If I don't, I don't. Hmm. And I don't think a lot of 16 year olds do something as stupid as that. No, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. So I maybe maybe you can trace it all the way back there. Yes. Um but uh, that's definitely one of the you know points in my life that did that. There are a couple of things that happened in the military uh that you know contributed to that as well. And I have to say, uh, from creativity standpoint, I'm very creative. I was always creative in many ways and endeavors. So uh, when this song came to me that I told you about when I was driving this car, um, also when I sat down, like I told you in that Tel Aviv night and basically wrote the beginning of the book in like one shot, six, seven pages without stopping, like somebody was type, you know, somebody was saying, I was just typing it out. Yes. Uh, those are the those, those are the times that I think when you feel like you are sort of like a portal is opening and you are connected to something else. Uh, right. You can control it. You don't know when it's coming, but I do have a few of those experiences and they're quite exhilarating. Yes, there's there's nothing like it. You know, um, when you know you actually can feel you know totally connected to you know to to when you feel at one. You know, when you feel one. You know it you know, with something bigger than yourself and, you know, and, and you find that flow. Um, and, you know, and it's, it's truly remarkable and, and it's sep you know, when you can finally find that separation from, you know, that, that formal, uh, you know, all those, you know, when you can find, get out, I guess in a sense, get out the fog, you know, of like religion, rules, structure, formal, uh, all those, all those uh, traditions, uh, things that they say you're supposed to do, and you know, and um, and, and you're free. You're finally free, you know. So, and we we were we were put here to be free and uh, to live out our purpose, and um, and be and be filled with joy. Uh, so, and and it seems like you found a lot of joy. So, is there is there a particular you know uh, routine you know 
or is it a particular uh, thing that you do every day um, uh, to get you going? Oh, good question. Uh, <laughs> I play my piano every day, uh, for starters. You know, there's not going to be a day if I don't touch the piano, I feel like something is empty. Uh, so I try to do that every day. And I also try to work out every day, even a little bit. There's something that, you know, gets the heart going, gets the heart pumping. Um, and I also try to find time every day to uh, sit and reflect for a bit. If you're a religious person, it's prescribed to you. You know, you have to. Like if you are a Muslim, you have to do it five times a day. If you're Jewish, you have to do it three times a day. If you're Christian, I don't exactly know how that works. But <clears throat> I think it makes a lot of sense. I don't need any organized religion to tell me that. But it's very important for me to find time every day and sit down and reflect basically on the positivity of us and the positivity of who we are. And uh, if all three happens, if a day go by and I did play my piano, I did work out, I did reflect, it's all good. Yeah. That's a pretty good routine, man. You know, it uh, is? <laughs> that's pretty, I, I think, I think, um, you know, the audience out there can uh, really appreciate that and, you know, feel very, it gets some real inspiration from that and um, it, it can drive forward. Um, yeah, I, you, you send us uh, three, three tracks here. We're going to play those uh, at the end of this too. And um, tell us, tell us more about those tracks that we're going to play. Okay. Yes, I will. Um, there's an instrumental track called Stormbird. Uh, and this is when people ask me if you were uh, to become an animal, if you become an, in like a next life or you're born as an animal, what animal would you choose to be? And I don't know. I think the word, the accurate word is albatross. Uh, these are birds that fly above the storms. So they don't yeah. care about the weather. You know, they see a hurricane, they fly above it. And uh, for me, there's no more freer creature in the world than, than that. So I was thinking about it for a long time, and I wanted to write music to that effect. Hmm. And uh, I decided uh, to call it Stormbird and not Albatross, because I wanted it to be the actual meaning uh, of the word. And it took a while. It took a long time for it to come, but it came. And back when I recorded it, I had an awesome band. Uh, the band was fantastic. My guitar player, Seth, was amazing. My drummer, Rich, was fantastic. My bass right. player, Carlo, was great. You know, So we spent like six hours in the studio, and that recording, I keep listening to it, and it's great. So that is one track. Uh, the other track is called Central Park. And... I live by the park. I live a block away from Central Park in Manhattan, New York City. And there is, you know, you ask me about my routine, not my daily routine, but my weekly routine. I will always be in the park at least one time a week. It's an amazing place. Central Park is great energy. Yeah. And I've been here since the early 90s. And I wanted to write a song about Central Park so bad. And I wrote hundreds of beginnings and I junked all of them because they sucked. They did, man. <laughs> and then there was one summer when I went to a place called Fire Island, which is a nice place off the shore of Long Island. And I had a guitar with me. I play a little bit of guitar, not, not really. And uh, interestingly enough, I sat at the beach with a guitar and the song came to me, Central Park. Yeah. Song, words, everything. 
and uh, it tells a true story also because my best friend uh, is a guy named Scott who at the time left town and I was, I was upset because I missed him. I thought he left for good. So the yes. song talks about that as well. Um, and I recorded it several times. I wasn't happy with the recordings. I was happy with the recordings. The recordings I sent you is with a, a lovely girl named Melissa who is, you know, I don't know anybody that sings like she does. I really don't. Uh, so that's that. And then uh, the third one is a song called King and Queen, which is a very romantic song about stuff I was going through at the time. And Melissa sings that one as well. And uh, it's very heartfelt, it's very romantic. And the guitar player uh, on that one is a guy named John, who is my really dear best friend to this very day. And uh, we talk all the time. He's a brilliant engineer producer so i owe a lot of that song to him and when we listen to the guitar it completes her voice in such a nice way so these are the tracks i sent you nice well we look forward to hearing those and um you know once we hear those uh you know uh, now do you do you make those available um for public um streaming on apple or spotify at all uh, i believe that uh, some of them are available, uh, but if they're not, then I will really, after just how we hang up here, and I'll try to work really hard to make them. I'm a CSAC affiliate. I have to certain follow certain guidelines. Some of my music is up there. Uh, some is not. I haven't checked that in a while, but I will make them available, uh, you know, hopefully before this interview is broadcasted okay. so people can get a hold yeah. of them. Okay. Otherwise we'll, you know, they, they will just, you know, blow, blow up my inbox and just bug the hell out of me. <laughs> oh no. Well, no. In that case, just contact <laughs> me and I'll take care of it one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. So that's, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get it squared away. <laughs> yeah, so. we'll, we'll get it. We'll get it done. I'm, you know, I'm yeah. very good on the creative side of things. I'm not yeah. too good on the tech side of things, yeah. which is why you and I are talking on the phone, but that's, you know, there, yeah. there's a line from, yeah. I love this line from a Clint Eastwood movie, Dirty Harry, from many years ago. Okay. And it's the best line I've ever heard in any movie. And it oh, says, yeah, it's clear. Yeah, it's it crystal says, clear. A man, a man has to know his limitations. Oh, I love that. I love that line. And my limitations is tech. Yeah. Oh, man, you know what? And that's, that's probably, um, you know, it's probably some, some confirmation and advice that I probably needed to hear for today. So <laughs> we can we can talk about that on the other side. So. That's true. <laughs> uh, yeah. So yeah, we got about eight minutes left here in the uh, in the in the recording. So like, drop us, you know, uh, drop us down with some some words of wisdom. You know, you you're such a you're brilliant um, brilliant mind. Um, you know, and it's not the master's degree. Uh, that um, you know that account for it. It's just the fact that you know you you are very creative and brilliant. Uh, so um, tell us, tell us, give us some words of wisdom to take us home. home. <laughs> okay, I could do that. Uh, I think that um, I write and I do music. These are the main two things that I do. So creativity is fantastic, and not everybody has to be able to play an instrument. Not everybody has to be able to write. But everybody can be creative, uh, one way or the other. They they found different manifestations to do that. And 
I subscribe to the notion that this is the most amazing features that we have, that we are creative. So in my pantheon of, uh, of uh, people that I admire, I admire the creators. I think more than I admire anything. People can admire, you know, great scientists or uh, philosophers or politicians or generals. I admire the creative people because the power of your brain, there's no second to it. And everybody, you know, in, in research, it always shows that uh, humans only use like eight to ten percent of the brain capacity in in what they do. So I think creativity is the one endeavor that expands that, and there is no limit to it. Um, so I guess you can call it my religion, which is very loose, and you don't have to pay anyone. Uh, yeah. But you know, because God always wants money. <laughs> it's the way it is. It's a it's a good business, you know, it's been a good yeah. business from day one. Uh, but I think that uh, if you celebrate your creativity and your individuality and, you know, you treat people the way you want people to treat you and you don't give a crap about where people come from or what language. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Is inflation taking a bite out of your grocery budget? Andrews Federal Credit Union is here to help. Introducing our Inflation Buster Share Certificate with 5% APY for seven months now through December 14th. Bring your money to Andrews Federal Credit Union today. The Inflation Buster account must be open with new money. Andrews Federal Credit Union membership is not just for the military. We also serve the community. Visit andrewsfcu.org. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership eligibility required. APY equals annual percentage yield. Must have a $1,000 minimum balance to earn advertised APY. Which they speak or what they look like, uh, but you look into inside of people and uh, the world is a better place this way. Truly, 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 truly brilliant and very, very well spoken. Um, we greatly appreciate you, Dan Barhava. Uh, so we just had a wonderful conversation with Dan Barhava. Uh, Son of you, <laughs> so yeah, know, and um, and I see why. So yeah, and um, you know, it's definitely been a pleasure talking with you, my friend. Um, leave us your contact information. You know, we're going to definitely need that. Okay, so first of all, uh, the book, the Thirty Six Watchers, Book One, Fall, is on Amazon as well as everywhere else in the world. But people like to go to Amazon, so you can go there and you can get the book there. And uh, if you like it, there's always some very nice reviews there. I would love for you to add your review. Uh, and then you can also look up uh, the 36 Watcher podcast at podbean.com. And if you want to get in touch with me personally, I am going to give out my email address. And I don't mind my inbox blowing up. I'm kind of used to that. So my email is dbh, which is the first three letters of my name, then barhava followed by M, S, C, M as in mother, S as in Sam, C as in cat, which is the letters of music without the U and the I. So D-B-H, M-S-C, S-A-O-L.com. And I'm one of the last six people in the world that use AOL.com. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah. So my friends joke that when I have tech problems and I call the line for tech support, they say, oh, hello, Mr. Bahava, what's your problem today? <laughs> yeah, I believe that. <laughs> and he is absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, uh, 100%. Uh, so yeah, check out the book at Amazon, The 36 Watchers by Dan Barhava, and email me if you want. And as for the music, I will endeavor to make it available one way or the other. Some of it is up, some of it I will check into. Nice. Well, greatly appreciate you so much. And let's not mention, uh, forget to mention that you do have Brooklyn All-American that's in, currently in development as well. Right? I do. I do. I hope that goes. You know, we've been working on it for a long time and um, we have a little bit of time. So I'll give you the, you're going to like this because the movie yeah. came to me in a dream. Wow. True story. true story. True story. About eight, nine years ago, I woke up. I was, uh, I was married at the time. I woke up laughing hysterically and my wife rolled and said, what are you laughing about? And I said, I saw a dream. And in my dream, this orthodox kids from Brooklyn, you know, with the black clothes and the garb and the little curls that they have, you know, the big yeah. kids, was playing football in the South. <laughs> yeah. Just oh, like yeah. that. Yeah. And, and, uh, and that was the dream, man. That's exactly what the dream was. And uh, it caught the imagination of quite a lot of people. We have oh, yeah. a lot of, I'm not going to name, it's hard for me to do this, but there's some big names that are lined up to play in the movie, actor-wise. And the issue with that is that it's a bigger budget than the first movie I did, which was mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of dollars. This one is in the millions range. It takes a lot more time to raise that kind of money. Yeah. But it may happen. And it started with that dream, which was awesome and made me laugh for like a day straight. Yeah, I can <laughs> Yeah. Oh, Jewish kid playing football in the South. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> that's it. That's what the story is about. Yeah. It's exactly about that. Wow, that's that's interesting. That. Yeah. Yeah, you man, you just a jack of all. So you yeah, he has a lot going on, ladies and gentlemen. So make sure you do get in touch with him and um support all that he is doing. And, you know, and when you do contact him, uh, make sure you do let him know that we have sent you over. Let him know that Transform You um, sent you over to take a chat with him and grab up a lot of his stuff. Um, grab it up, watch it, listen, uh, do all that cool stuff. So uh, this is Marcus Hart, your host, uh, talking. Uh, and we just had a chat with Don. Dan Barhaba, he's the author, musician, and movie co-writer, and and all and everything. He's a creator. I just, I, you know, I think you prefer a creator. Um, can we just call you the creator? <laughs> yes, you can. <laughs> so I'll so, take that. Call me, call me Dan. How about that? Yeah. So Dan. So Dan's Dan the man. So Dan. You know. So um. So, so yeah. So. Make sure you do check them out. And, and this is uh, Marcus Hart checking off. Uh, until next time, many blessings, peace, and lots of love.
in the dark when your heart beat is right next to mine when we
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.